sometimes, especially common, well-known passages uh, uh, that are on our mind, we probably have committed them to, to memorization, as, such as, for example, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Uh, those kind of verses uh, sometimes are, uh, uh, how would I say, we, we have a preconceived idea of what the passage is and so on because we've read it so much. And, but we never stopped to uh, really do uh, uh, an exegete of, of the passage. Well, that, that was my case. That was my case as, uh, as I approached 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5. It, to me it was rather interesting as I began to exegete how that it wasn't going to take me where I thought I wanted to end uh, with, uh, with my thoughts. So um, I'm praying that uh, as we uh, approach this today, we're able to not only see the, the biblical exegete, but... I really want to somehow communicate the application uh, in, a, in a practical in a practical way. Are we recording back there, Mike? Are we good to go? Good to go. All right. <clears throat> well, a new year often means to us just new thoughts. I like new. You guys like new? We all like new. Ladies like new. They go shopping all the time for new, you know. New is always good. We, we like new. Uh, we even spend money in order to get new. And um, a new year often uh, brings new hope, new dreams, new ideas. Uh, we, uh, we sort of just kind of look forward to things in a new dimensional kind of way. It's not like the spring cleaning kind of new. You know, there's the spring cleaning new. Uh, new Year's is a little different. It's a deeper kind of thought new. You know, we, we get sentimental, we think about what we've done, we do a little bit of looking back, what have I accomplished, what have I finished. We sort of look at the year ahead and we, 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 uh, we say, it's going to be better, I'm going to uh, add new things to my life. And deeper thoughts and uh, more applicable ones as opposed to just a regular new type of spring cleaning. Now our passage today calls us to think new, to think anew, uh, to consider uh, new and to a living kind of way. Because it's really what the emphasis of these verses are. So let us pray. And um, I, I want to say I... Um, I was, I was, I was, I really enjoyed the prayer time, guys. I think you guys came into it, and uh, we'll work out a few glitches like uh, air conditioners and pianos. But, but I, I want you to know you bless me because I'll be honest with you. I didn't think we were going to get that many people to pray. Now I'm gonna, I'm going to. Admit that for one reason and one reason only. I'm ready to put out maybe some old ideas. You know, get rid of some old ideas too. And, and, and incorporate new thoughts. 
about what we can do. What we can do. And, uh, and um, I just, I really enjoyed that. I really did. Um, appreciate that very much. So let's pray and ask God to speak to us this morning from His Word. Father, thank You for this new year. It's a privilege, Father, to be a part of your creation. To enjoy it. To understand it. To look beyond what our eyes can see and understand the description, the essence, the origin of things. Lord, we <clears throat> continue to admit to the fact that we do not know what tomorrow brings. But Father, as we look into our past and we see your faithfulness, it all, all it does is encourage us and strengthen us. And it just causes us to Take that step forward, knowing that he who has been faithful in the past will be faithful even in the future. Lord, would you um, speak to us through your word this morning? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, exegeting a passage sometimes, like I said, uh, um, sort of brings down preconceived ideas that, uh, in this case, I had about these, uh, this, uh, this passage. Verse 14, it stands as the strong point of the, the verbal um, communication of Paul and, and what sets up for the, really the rest, the rest of, uh, of chapter 5. Verse 14 says the following, For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. It is rather amazing how uh, simple yet complicated that very little verse is. And uh, we're going to try to just focus on one part. Number one, my first point is the empowerment. The new kind of empowerment that God puts into our lives. Our empowerment to new is to be that first part of that phrase where Paul says, Christ's love compels me. Christ's love constrains me. I don't, I don't pick the music. I have very little, hardly ever anything do I even mention to any of the people, even if, my, if it's my wife, uh, uh, to pick the music. Occasionally I'll ask for a closing song. But even that is very rare. And uh, as we were singing today, I don't know how many of you realized that there was a theme. It was about the love of God. At least maybe it's because of my own sensitivity. I just saw the love of God. And, and I think in each one of the songs that we sang this morning, Paul says, The love of God constrains me, it compels me. Christ's love. He says, that word is a word that uh, pertains to pressure. 
It's the results caused by pressure. And therefore that word empower. The love of Christ empowers me. It energizes me. It gives me the power that I need. Now, you're going to need that by the time we're done. Because by the time we get down to the bottom, you just might not like everything I'm going to tell you. So you're going to want to remember it all goes back to the point that it is the love of God that empowers us for all that we are to do. Especially verses 14, 15, 16, 17, down to verse 21. Now we won't get to verse 21, folks. I know you guys want to have lunch. Our love for Christ is kindled and fed by His love for us. The scripture says, we love Him because He first loved us. It is not something that flows from within us. It is the love of God that constrains us, that empowers us to move forward. How deep, how vast, beyond all measure. There are Countless hymns and, and choruses and songs that try to engulf into our minds the concept. God loves you. Now, maybe you've heard that too long. Maybe it's just something that has become common knowledge. Uh, I remember, and I think I've told you, I'm sure I've told you, the first time uh, that uh, black lady, Edna Atterbury, said to me, God loves you. And I started laughing. Well, did I care that God loved me? It meant absolutely nothing. And all I could think of was, my mother doesn't love me, you know. And I see her. And it, you know, that was the only thing that came into my mind. And on May 7th, 1980... The love of God engulfed my life and my mind and all of my life changed drastically. And guess what I went around telling people? God loves you. And I would look at it in their in eyes and it was like, and your point is? Because it isn't until you experience the love of God that you can understand what Paul says when he says it constrains us. It empowers us. It is that love that compels us. Now, the next thought is, what is it that it compels us to do? Here's where the exegete sort of kind of threw a little monkey wrench in me. Because I wanted to go in another direction. But you've got to be faithful to the passage and to the scripture. Verse 14 says that the love of God constrains us that if one died, that is Christ, then we're all dead. Now, I could stop and try to explain that because there is a wee bit of a theological concept to that that's rather confusing. One died, we're all dead? Or is it one died, therefore we all died? It's one died, that means we are all dead. That's positional. It's called positional our, our positional uh, stand before God, but it gets complicated. I'm not going to go down that route. Look at the next verse, verse 15. 
Look at verse 15. Because one died, all dead, and he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves. That brings us right to the second point. If the first point is that our empowerment is a new, it's a fresh, and should be. The second point is that that empowerment then brings us to a point of emptiness. See, verse 14 says, God loves us. Verse 15 says to us, that love has regenerated has brought life to those who were dead. Those who were dead in Christ, then found themselves in Christ, found life in Christ. But that life has a reason, has a purpose, has a, has a, has a why. I think it is good that we are reminded from time to time that that which is old and no longer useful. Needs to go. You know, there's just a lot of things in our life that we find ourselves picking up. Now, <clears throat> we just, uh, not too long ago, what, what, what's been now, a year and a half or so, two years, we moved from Murcia to Torrevieja. And, good night, I kept saying to my wife, where did we get all this junk? It was, you know, box after box, and it's like, I didn't know our, our flat was that big. I was like, where do we keep all this stuff? Where was it, where was it stored? Now, am I telling you anything new? Nah, we all know what that's like, you know. We're, we don't admit it, but we're pack racks, you know. We're, you know, we just kind of gather things. We, we... In our character, we do the same, folks. As we go through life, we, we pick up things. Not everything we pick up is good. Sometimes we do it because we need, or we feel we need to defend ourselves. Or, or because of the hurts that we've had through our lives, we, we have to pick up attitudes or, 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 or ways of being because we feel we need them in order to, to forget or, or to protect or whatever the reason is. Sometimes it's just because we forget that God loves us. We got to out with the old. We are empowered for the purpose of emptying ourselves. Verse 15 says, No longer live for themselves. They are made alive no longer to live for themselves. Paul says, You have to no longer be out for number one. No longer unto ourselves, but unto Him who died for them. Do you understand what he's saying? Listen, it's really simple. He's saying in verse 14, Love, God's love empowers me. To what? To no longer live for myself. To no longer be watching out for number one. For the purposes of God, for the kingdom of God. That is why you are supposed to live. Galatians chapter 2. Let me read to you. Verse 19 and 20. Just follow me as I read. For through the law I died 
to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself up for me. There is a concept in Christianity that we tend to forget. And it is this, God gives us life because we've died. We've died to ourselves, we've died to our pleasures, we've died to, our, to all of our passions. We are to be reminded again that it is not about us. We are to live for the sakes of others. Scripture says, you died and your life is hidden in Christ. Folks, that is good news. That is not bad news. That is great news. Because I do not want my life in my hands. I am very safe and secure knowing my life is in His hands. It is a matter of degree how much you die. Because, remember I talked about this positional thing? Now positional, our positional situation is rather, theologically is rather complicated. For, let me just give you an idea. Do you know what scripture says about those of you who know Jesus as your Savior? Well scripture says this, you're not really here. You're actually a figment of my imagination. I'm really just preaching to an empty room. Actually, I'm not even here preaching. Right. That way, before you dial that uh, 112 and get the guys with the little white coats, what it says is this. I'm already seated in heaven. That's how God sees me. You realize God doesn't see me as someone... You know, sort of working my way through life until I get to His presence. Scripture says He sees me already there. That's positional. Okay? That's why I'm saying it can get it. Well, positionally, you already died, folks. But you're alive and well. So the question isn't, are you dead? The question is, to what degree have you died? To what degree have you died to yourself and live unto God? To what degree? It implies a change in direction, in value, in final purpose. It's not about self-preservation or self-gratification. It's about change in value. For the sake of others. So the verse says. We're looking at 15. And he died. For all. That they. Who live. Those are the ones who live in Christ. That they who live. Should no longer live. For themselves. But for him. Who died. And rose again. On their behalf. To live for the purposes, to live for the kingdom of God, the purposes of God, the kingdom of God. Now then you get this verse 16, which really sort of kind of comes in on a curve. 
you, have you noticed that verse? It's rather kind of, what's that doing in the middle of that passage there? Verse 16 says, Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know Him thus no longer. And if you're like me, the next question is, what is that doing there? But what, what does that have to do with the passage that begins by saying the love of God empowers me. Well, he throws in Christ, and that's what sort of confuses us. And and uh, because you know, when, whenever you see the name Christ in there, you you think he's really getting spiritual on us, and so he's trying to figure out what, what, where is he going with this when he says he doesn't know Christ according to the flesh, but he. He, he's continuing the theme from verse 14, okay? Since we have been made alive, since there is life, there is this conversion within us, we no longer evaluate people externally. That's what he's saying. We no longer evaluate people externally. The evaluation of all would no longer be on the basis of the outwardness. Their social status, how they're dressed, whether they smell good or not, whether they have a job or not. It's not about whether they're poor or derelicts or down and outs or high social class and, and know how to, you know, do that pinky thing when they drink their, their Earl tea or whatever it is. It's not about the outwardness. That's what he's saying to us. It's you look at a person. And you evaluate. What's their relationship with God? Let me tell you why. Because the direct application to no longer living to yourself means this. You no longer meet people on the basis of, Hmm, I wonder what they can do for me. What do they have that I need? You know, this networking. You've heard. Well, not with the whole internet thing. But when I was a... Young man, long time ago. A lot longer than you guys, most of you. But anyway, but it was a while back. And uh, I used to be in sales. One of My boss used to, he used to just really nail us on this idea of networking, you know. Getting to know who people were. We go to these conferences and do all these uh, uh, presentations. And, and it was about our, our business card. Our business card had to, you know, um, he, he would design them, make sure they were all good. He, it was all about presentation. He wanted us to meet as many people whenever we were in any of these things, or whoever we met, you know, who are you, what do you do? Find out what they are and why. Well, am I ever going to need you? Am I ever going to want what you're selling? Or figure out how you're going to help me move forward or, or, or perhaps I can sell you something. That's knowing people in the flesh. The external aspect of people. Paul says, I don't see people like that anymore. He says, that's not how we are to look at folks anymore. We're to look at people and ask ourselves, do they know God? Not what can I get from you, but what can I give to you? How can I make your eternity sweeter? The direct application is how we look at people. What can I do for you? Not what can I get from you. So, we have this empowerment. We have the emptiness. 
that in which we are supposed to walk. And then in verse 17, we have the third point, which is the new essence. Because ultimately there is a new essence and he just wants to reiterate it one more time. The results of God loving you. What does that do for you folks? Are, you know, are we, are we just sort of blasé about the fact that God loves us? Is it just such common news that it really doesn't do much for us? Because Paul says that in his life, it still empowered him. The fact that he knew that God loved him still empowered him. New essence. A new you. And so it says in verse 17, If anyone is in Christ. By the way, that verse... It's best read if you take out... Most of your Bibles might have some words in italics. If you can take some of those italics out and try to read them without them, it would read something like this. If anyone is in Christ, a new creation. Old things pass away. New things come new. It's just that simple. If, if anyone is in Christ, if there is a union, a communion, all individuals who are thus joined to Christ spiritually in Christ the that little phrase is a it's what's called a Pauline phrase and he loves it Paul loves that phrase in Christ do I need to remind you Colossians uh, I mean yeah Colossians right in Christ in him now in Christ speaks of security it speaks of acceptance. It speaks of assurance. It speaks of inheritance. It speaks of forgiveness. That is the summary of it all. In Christ. So Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he then says, a new creation. A new creation. A new creature, some versions say, it's a new creation. And he's really sort of picking up for one second on a thought he left in chapter 4. Same book, in chapter 4, verse 6, this is what he says, For God, who said, Light shall shine out of darkness. Light shall shine out of darkness. What's that? Creation. He says that... Light shall shine out of darkness is the one who sh- who's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You are a creation. But unlike the creation of the beginning, you are a creation of grace. New as opposed to old. Now here's why I want you to walk away with one thought. If there's anything that I want you to walk away with today is this. Do you wake up every morning remembering that you're a new creation? Are you conscious? And I mean daily conscious that you are a new creation. See, that's how God sees you. God doesn't see you however it was you were before you met Him. God doesn't see me the way I was when I was 19. 
He sees me actually sitting at the right hand. At the presence of His throne. God sees me as a new creation. Something totally new that He did. To think of ourselves always as new creations. Because if you can do that, I can, I, I can make the rest easy. Because see, if you're a new creation, then you'll remember what you were made for. Can you remember what you were made for? Well, let me remind you what you weren't made for. Let me remind you that you were not made for the purpose of your own delights. Or your own selfishness, your own twisted sort of ways, and your own ideas or your own values for your own plans and your own principles. No, that's all gone. You see, when God made you, He put within you a DNA that that, that was to, to change every aspect of you. How you thought, how you reasoned, how you valued, how you, how you projected, and how you saw people. That was the original plan. Because the next part of that verse says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, old things passed away. By the way, it's a package. That little phrase is just an entire package. The old things have passed away. All of them, all together at one shot. Because you died. You're dead. A dead person doesn't move, a dead person doesn't think, a dead person doesn't function. He just lays there. The old things, they're gone, folks. They were gone right from the word go when you came to know Christ as your Savior. They were cast aside. That old flesh was just cast aside. Our loves, our delights, our selfishness. All our ideas and values, they're all gone. The entire mass of the old was discarded. That is truly when God came to you and said, Out with the old. And it was a one-time occasion. So why do things linger? Well, it's because the truth is, we sort of started our Christian life and um, we would look back at that rubbish from time to time. We'd see that pile and you know what we did? We went back there again. And we picked things up. We picked up things like bad attitudes. And we picked up things like seeing people for what we can get and not for how we could help. We began to Pick up things like materialism and, and, and social status and, and, and living life for our pleasures. And forgot that what Paul and the Holy Spirit and the work of God to us was to be an empowerment to live for others. And by the way, we pass that on to people too. Because just as our children see us pick up the rubbish, they go back and pick up the rubbish. The old things, they meant to have been passed away. Old value systems, priorities, beliefs, loves, plans, 
gone. You know that what God means for you to do when He came into your life was to even see evil and sin in a different light? When you come to know God, things that don't please God, you're supposed to see them in a different light. But now, it's almost like it doesn't affect us as much. We almost accept it, thinking, well, I can't change everything around. I'm not going to be able to change everything that's here. So I guess I just live with it. Does God call us to live with what is wrong in His eyes? When He says new, it's new. When He says old, it's old. And the old goes and the new stays. I hear this one time too many. You want to talk to someone about a particular situation or um, uh, character flaw that you think you see in their lives and you mention it to them you know I I think you should consider well that's just how I am well you know you, you really shouldn't be so quick with the t- well that's just how I am I speak my mind oh well I guess that makes it right because if that's just how you are and we forget Oh, well then, why did Jesus die? What was the purpose of Calvary, the cross, the nails, the crown? What was the purpose of it all? Oh, well, just so you could stay just the way you are. Oh, okay. Well, silly God. He didn't know better. Doesn't sound right, does it? Matter of fact, you probably aren't liking that. And it just sounds almost as, you know, you're verging on uh, some sort of heresy. So then tell me, why don't we change? Oh, because we have to defend our rights. After all, I am a hundred years old. I'm not going to change now. Really? That's the answer that we have? I'm not going to change now? Then I go back to, where's the new creation? What happened to it? What happened to the the trophy of grace? When we talk about out with the old, it means, yeah, the, the old attitudes, the old ways of thinking, the old characteristics that seem to form us. You know what? I am, by nature, folks, I'm very aggressive. I'm very impatient and I'm extremely selfish. Now, somehow you wouldn't keep a pastor around that was selfish, aggressive, and uh, impatient. You, but you wouldn't put up with that. Would you? Well, the, the truth is, God wouldn't put up with that. But let me ask you then this question. And now don't take it personal. Don't start getting all, you know... Ready to throw the tomato things. Well, if you don't feel that you should put up with a pastor that's aggressive, uh, impatient, and selfish, and my wife will attest to that, by the way, if you need the testimony of that. 
why should I put up with some of you? I mean, some of the attitudes are like, I want to just say, Lord, would you please remind them they're new creatures? Go back to the rubbish bin and put back away what God changed the day He saved you. Well, I know God tells me I'm supposed to be peaceable and, and kind and giving because I'm a new creature. The old things I passed away. So the next time someone comes to you and says, hey, you really should be a little more careful when, or you shouldn't, don't be so quick to tell them, well, that's just how I am. Because when you do that, you're saying to God, I really don't need your help. I can do this all by myself. And this whole thing about you changing my life, well, fooey on that. I can do fine the way I am. Because that's what we're really saying, folks. That really is what we're saying. I, I, I'm asking God to sort of transform. Because there's never, we're never at the point where we need not tweet. Make it better. You know, I, we've always get these comments from people who visit ICA about how friendly a church we are. And you know what? We can be friendlier. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our inward characters. Out with the old, folks. Because it is our human nature character as we go through life to be pack racks. And we end up storing things that God didn't mean for us to keep. We need to just look into the mirror of the Word of God and say, God, what are some of my attitudes that need a little bit of shape? That need to just go out. That need to be changed. That need to be replaced. The last part of that verse says, new things have come in. Actually, it's things are becoming new. Where the phrase, old things passed away, is a one phrase, one time, passive um, verb that says it's done. The other one, says that the new things are constantly coming in. You know why? Because there's always room for more. Because there is always room for more. For the new things, for the good things. The things that please God. The things that proceed from our love received from God. That God loves me and empowers me to be different. That's the point. Because He loves me, I will be different. Because He loves me, I will live for others. Because He loves me, I will be a new creature. The new things have come. A continuing condition. Living for eternity, not for the present. Other things had to take their place. There are other things just left. But then other things take their place. So, and it comes to uh, a personal challenge for me. Well, it's not about being mean and aggressive. 
which was the way I grew up. Hey, if you'd have grown up in my neighborhood. You know? I mean, I can say, well, that's just the way I am because it's how I grew up. But God says, no, you've got to replace that with peaceableness. And the impatience, well, you need to learn to be kind and not expect so much from everybody. And, and the selfishness, well, you need to learn to give. Because you replace the attitudes that aren't pleasing to God. A thought. Do you wake up in the morning and remind yourself you're a new creation? You really need to. Because if you do, you'll start to see yourself new. Think new. Focus on new. Well, new desires, new loves, new inclinations, new truths, new values. So out with the old folks. Let us challenge ourselves before God to not stay the same. Because for us to say we don't need to change, is to say that, uh, you know, that we're good. We're perfect. Got it all down. And we don't. We bicker over stupid things. We get upset over the most insignificant objects. We find ourselves getting irritated because somebody doesn't do things the way we thought it should be done. It's human nature. Out with the old. Let's think of ourselves as new creatures. New creation, made of grace by God Himself. Whatever it is you have accepted as a norm of your life, of your character, Re-examine it. And ask yourself, what would God want me to change? What would God want me to change? Well, I trust that uh, you dream big for this year. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to dream big and to focus eternity and to focus the kingdom of heaven and the purposes of God. For our lives as a church, for my life individually, for my family. I mean, we'll give you a little insight on that later. But I think there's a lot of stuff coming down the road for my family this year. And it's already making my head spin. But you know what? If it's for the purposes of God and the plans of God, great. Great. It'll happen. It'll happen. It's not about just pleasing ourselves, folks. It's about living for others. So let's stand as we close in prayer.